surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is your host, Taylor, and I cannot wait to share with y'all today's guest. We have Lola Jean, who is a sex educator, mental health professional, a wrestler, a dom, and a world record holder for volume of squirting. Solo. Okay, and we're going to get into that, and I am so excited to share it with y'all. As always, before we get into an episode, before we get into an interview, I hope you are coming in listening with an open mind, an open heart, and open ears, and make sure to check out the links in our bio uh, of the podcast episode, the episode notes, so that you can support and follow any guests that we have here on the show. If you're not already, please make sure you're following us on Instagram at Let's Talk About It underscore podcast. And I can't wait for y'all to hear about Lola, okay? Because she brings a refreshing understanding to sex, sexuality, and kink to push individuals past what they think that they're capable of, okay? And this is just a great, this was a great time. So let's talk about it. All right. Hello. Welcome, Lola Jean, to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm honestly so excited about this. Like, I I love meeting with other sex educators and sex experts because, like, it's just a different energy, you know. Like, I love the energy that you bring and all the work that you do. Like, you stay you stay busy. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's what my colleagues know me for right now. Everyone's just like, "You need a vacation." I'm like, you know, I think I might. I think I might. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm taking it next week. We'll be good. Good, 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 good. Yes. Prioritize the pleasure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm wondering if we could start off um, just with you kind of sharing a little bit about the work that you do. Granted, it's a lot of different things. Um, mm-hmm. But if you could start us off with just kind of some of what it is that you do today. Yeah. So uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of different uh, positions that I hold. Mm -hmm. So currently I'm a sex educator. I'm an occasional pro dom, a fetish wrestler, and the reigning world record holder in volume squirting. Um, Mm -hmm. For my style of education and of what I enjoy doing and what people seem to enjoy buying um, is I like creating and curating experiences. So whether those are classes or episodic series or like social media content or like on occasion Mm in-person events, that's what I really, how I enjoy interacting with people and creating spaces for people to confront their discomfort and Mm -hmm. really start to question themselves. So a lot less of like the one-on-one coaching, I'll do that Mm -hmm. occasionally, but that's not really where my passion lies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you find yourself here? By accident. Um, (laughs) I, I mean, I'd always been a very sexual being. Like the second time I ever had 
like penetrative sex was a threesome and that Mm -hmm. was like not planned. It just happened. So like I'd always been, uh, you know, a little bit on on the edgier side, so Mm -hmm. to speak. But it was a period where I had quit my job in advertising because I was very unhappy Mm -hmm. and I was waitressing. And then I got fired from that job because I have a problem with authority. Uh, And I was trying to find a job I didn't hate Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to go back to corporate world. So I, I took a lot of odd jobs and I think it was like my first, one of my first positions within the sexuality space was Mm. being a consent monitor at a play party. And Mm. that's when I realized like, oh, maybe there's other things I can do in this industry, but I still didn't think I was going to be a sex educator. I was just like trying to make ends meet. So I started doing wrestling, being a dom, doing like assisting a sex educator all at the same time. And Mm things kind of just bubbled up naturally. And those are the things where like when they happen that way, you have to like listen to fate a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Kind of go where life has taken you, seeing the opportunities that are in front of you and staying open to it. Um, Can you touch on wrestling? Because I don't think many of my listeners would be familiar. No, I think even most people who are familiar, like I was trying to teach someone the other day and they, I think we're thinking more of like collegiate wrestling or -hmm. some people think it's WWE and it's kind of, it's not really any of those things. Um, So fetish wrestling is where usually like someone in a femme body is going to be dominating or overpowering um, whoever the, the other person is. And I do this both professionally and in my personal life. But I, it's really just using a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu because firstly, like the point of that is to gain an advantage over your person. There's going to be a lot of closeness. So it's really mm-hmm. to make that you know, more physical, make it a little bit more sexual. And a lot of it is about feeling trapped, feeling restrained by someone who is believably stronger than you. And Mm -hmm. there are a lot of different things I think that can lend itself into general BDSM, but that's the, that's the main point of it. And some of my sessions are competitive. Some of them are Mm semi-competitive. Some are more like fantasy or fear-driven. Others, I just lift people up for an hour. <laughs> so it's all over the place, but it's, it's a niche fetish that mm-hmm. I found early on in my career. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, this plays to everything I like and that I'm good at. I'm so competitive. I love to trash talk. It's really fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Finding the things that just actually bring you joy and passion and that, that kind of bring out that playfulness and that excitement in you and being able to like make money doing that. Yeah. Right. It's, it's the dream. Mm-hmm. It's great. My fantasy mm-hmm. football league is so proud. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, well, kind of on similar that note, um, can you talk about the kinky night school? Yeah. Yeah. So seven days of domination is another happy accident. Um, Two of my colleagues, Mr. Shayla and Lady Euphoria, we're also in the, we were in the process of creating a different school and university for building Mm -hmm. confidence that has nothing to do with BDSM. And in the Mm -hmm. beginning of the pandemic, we, since that had kind of got cut in half of what we were planning to do, we put together this event with like some of our colleagues and we're like, okay, we just have to make $400 $400 and then we can cover the cost to pay our friends. And that, that was the goal. And then we made $3,000 and we mm-hmm. really like helped people through the pandemic. So mm-hmm. now we're about to put on our sixth different iteration of that. Um, and it's intended for people that are aspiring pros or lifestylers, but we've gone, we've been able to go into such specific topics with all of these different presenters. And I think it's a great way to show that 
there are so many different styles of domination and ways to Mm -hmm. go about this. So you can kind of pick and choose of like which presenter or person matches a style that you want to emulate or what's what's a path you could potentially go down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's an area that people are super unfamiliar with and that feels very, very niche when I think actually on like a deeper level, um, many, many more people than you think are interested in it, kind of engage with it on some level in their personal lives anyway. And maybe it's just not tapped into. So I love that you are like creating opportunities and having it be like accessible for people to be able to explore deeper. Yeah. And, you know, while it's regular price for like the general public, if anyone is a sex worker or aspiring sex worker, we offer a really hefty discount to make a lot of this education very accessible to people. And and even without Mm -hmm. that, like the amount of we have, I think, like over 40 courses at this point, and we're Mm -hmm. about to have some of like the legends of domination. People have been doing this for like 20 years, come on and share some things with us as well. Mm, amazing. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some of like the myths associated with doing Dom work? I think one of the main things is that it's easy and it's just about being mean to people and mm-hmm. demanding things and like mm-hmm. the money kind of just comes easily because that's the mm-hmm. representation we see a lot yeah. on social media because that's also part of the fantasy of just seeing mm-hmm. somebody with like counting all these hundred dollar bills and like you think, oh wow, they must have done nothing to do that. Or like mm-hmm. I have I have a pay pig in my personal life. And like, I was, I think talking to someone of like, oh, I think I might be getting like, you know, a debit card to his checking account. That's what every little girl dreams of growing up. And Mm -hmm. to them, it like sounds so easy. And I'm like, oh, this was like five years in the making. Mm -hmm. Like it's been, it's, there's like a lot of work that goes into it, but I think a lot of people think that it's like very easy money and given for, you know, the amount of our hourly rates, it probably Mm -hmm. seems like that. But then, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of admin and safety that goes Mm -hmm. on behind the scenes as well. And also not all of it is about pain and being mean. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's not all about pain and and being mean. Absolutely. I think those are huge kind of stereotypes associated with Dom work. Yeah. Or just, Mm -hmm. I mean, even in my personal life, I feel like there's people that are like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I want to be dominated, but then I don't get anything beyond that. And it's like, Mm. I can't really do anything with that because there's so many different ways to do that. And I really mm-hmm. need to get to know you, what you like and what you don't like. Otherwise, I'm just going to be like, you know, throwing darts or maybe it's a style that doesn't work for me. I'm very mental. I'm very mm-hmm. verbal and cerebral. So people that are very physical, that might not work with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. How, do you, how would you kind of say to someone um, who maybe isn't sure that they are interested in being dominated, but in some ways they might be enjoying it unintentionally, I guess maybe is the word, already in their sex lives. Like what are things you would say you maybe see from people when they first come in that they're interested in or that they've already had experiences with where it's kind of like, oh, maybe this is something to explore deeper. I mean, I think any, I think anyone can really enjoy any Mm -hmm. kind of submission, regardless of how they identify. It's just more of a question of who and in what situations do you feel safe enough to be that vulnerable? Because it's about making a safe, non-physical space to be Mm -hmm. vulnerable. And a lot of the times what's 
really like intoxicating is either we're like confronting a fear, we're able to give up control, we're able Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable in a world where we're not able to do these things. But because you set up certain constraints, Mm -hmm. that's what it may be. So for people that are insecure about you know, how they look or how they perform sexually, you could have some sort of like worship kind of session, or Mm -hmm. you could have something that's not focused on the thing that you're worried about, or you could have something that's hyper-focused on the things that you're worried about. Mm -hmm. So I I think a lot of people end up playing with control, especially during the pandemic. You know, we've all had that taken from us. We don't have any control over what two months from now is going to look like. So I, I think anyone can really tap into it. It's just taking away this idea that submission equals weakness. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Cause you actually do hold a lot of power in your submission. I mean, in both contexts, it's mm-hmm. not that like, I think there's also a common misconception that like the sub has all of the power and control, not necessarily. I think both positions have power and mm-hmm. control. It's, mm-hmm. it's called autonomy, but mm-hmm. it's more so that an experience has to be crafted around a submissive. It doesn't mean the submissive gets everything that they want, Cause like mm-hmm. I was saying, I'm not really a physical dom. So yeah. even if my submissive wants those things, I'm like, eh, that, doesn't, that doesn't really work for me, mm-hmm. but it still has to be crafted around the submissive's experience. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not really about them being weak. If they have the autonomy to yeah. speak about what they want and have something that's pretty much made entirely for them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I want to take a short break right here. I know I like to do these as little mental health kind of check-ins, pleasure check-ins. And today I'm really looking forward to sharing this with y'all because this is a fantastic resource. So much of the work I do with clients revolves around self-compassion and it sounds super woo-woo-y and I know sometimes it feels like, well, what even is that? How do we actually hold space for that? How do we actually practice that? And often I encourage folks to journal and oftentimes folks feel a sense of um, loss when it comes to journaling, some confusion, right? Of where did they begin? How do they do this? Sometimes it feels scary to start journaling because there isn't guidance and it feels like you're going to start spiraling. And I'm so thrilled to share this with y'all. There's this journal. um, It's a guided journal. Walks you through 91 days of like a self-love journal. And it is honestly fantastic. They partnered with psychologists, uh, clinical therapists, researchers, psychiatrists, and other mental health specialists um, who have like, you know, years of experiences and are like really actually helping people walk through their self-love journey. And the company is called Switch. um, And so the journal that they have, it's in three different sections. It walks you through like reframing things, self-kindness, common humanity, mindfulness, which are like the three main components of self-compassion and actually provides you like structured exercises and things to do. Also not to mention, it's like a very, very cute journal. Okay. There's plants all in it. It's very, it's a very well done product and super, super helpful. So highly, highly recommend it. If you feel like journaling is kind of a scary place to go, if you want to like kind of have a little bit more accountability with your check-ins with yourself, maybe 
maybe you feel like a friend could really benefit from it. Maybe there's a friend going through a really, really rough time right now where they could, you know, practice some self-compassion, where maybe they're being really hard on themselves. I'm sure you're a little hard on yourself sometimes. We all are. So I honestly think anybody could benefit from this journal by Switch and actually have some support in transforming your negative self-critical thoughts into self-love through self-compassion. So you can use our code TALK20 today at switchresearch.org and you can get 20% off your purchase. Again, that's TALK20 at switchresearch.org and get 20% off your purchase. So I hope you enjoy that and take advantage of this resource while we got it for y'all, okay? And now we can get back to the show. Um, oh my God, there, there's literally so many things I want to talk to you about. I already like love everything that you're saying. So I'm like, ah, time. Um, at first I love that you mentioned safety as a piece of that, because I do think even in my own personal life, there's partners that I have felt super safe with to kind of take on that more submissive type of role. And we've been able to have great communication around that and it feel really safe. And then there's been partners where, I don't necessarily feel super safe and where then I have kind of ended up taking on more of a dom type of role uh, where I do feel more comfortable and I feel uh, like I do have some control, uh, which was also something I didn't feel I had in the relationship to begin with. Uh, So (laughs) not my healthiest relationship, Um, not my happiest relationship, but definitely was able to explore some of those uh, power dynamics a bit more. Um, Don't know if it's for better or for worse, but regardless was an experience. Um, But I would love- I think like, yeah, I think regardless of that, I think being able to play with power dynamics can be a really great Mm -hmm. tool in a relationship because it's not, it's not just that you have to communicate more. You have to realize more about Mm -hmm. how does this make me feel? What do I like about this? What what do I, why do I not feel safe? Why Mm -hmm. do I feel safe? Mm -hmm. So even if it's, you know, whether it's like the healthiest relationship or not, it does, it forces you to think more. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think in, um, one of your posts on social media, you talked about, uh, part of your dom work, uh, kind of being almost like you're doing improv. And that was something that I kind of struggled with because I, I feel like in the, in the one relationship where I did kind of step into that more, um, where it was maybe more the stereotypical of like me, like being mean to him and kind of like belittling and like penis humiliation and cuckolding and, and that kind of stuff where I like kind of surprised myself a little bit at like, kind of being good at being mean in some ways. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's a bitch. <laughs> it's like you're given that permission though. So it's like, no, 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 but it's good. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was a very exciting and, and different kind of uh, role to experiment with. And I didn't ever do it, but pegging became a conversation. And I know I've seen you talk a little bit about pegging. Um, You know, I've talked on social media. I've had Luna on the podcast in the past who um, coined the term peg the patriarchy. And you did a post on it recently as well, um, kind of clarifying like assumptions around pegging. And I've been questioned on this in my personal life about uh, kind of supporting the phrase peg the patriarchy and what 
what it actually is symbolizing, what messages we are perpetuating when we say that. Um, wondering if you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah. So I've, I've had a five-part series on pegging that's been out for a bit over a year now. And that's like, it's not pegging for dominance. It's just like, mm-hmm. you know, pegging in a relationship, whether it's sexual or emotional and like a lot of sensual pegging. Because I think the main thing that we see with pegging is we see it as an act of dominance or we see it mm-hmm. only as like doggy style or this one thing. And yeah. it's, you know, it's not always going to look like a huge dildo ramming into someone's butt unless mm-hmm. that's what, you know, a certain person wants. But I think like with any terminology, especially one that is a bit older or comes from times where, you know, we weren't necessarily thinking in the same ways or we weren't mm-hmm. challenging things in the same ways. I think that the word isn't inherently problematic, but I think we can also adjust its definition. So it was created more thinking about like cis women penetrating cis men anally. And there's also thoughts that it's, you know, transphobic or homophobic. Mm -hmm. And the way I like to think of pegging is that, you know, anyone with a strap on penetrating a person anally. And, you know, if you identify your strap on as part of your body, you also don't have to call it pegging. You can call it sex. You can call it like, you Mm -hmm. can call it whatever you Mm -hmm. want. Um, And I, I think that, you know, for the people who do say that it's like homophobic or or transphobic or anything like that, I think that from a lot of my experience as well, that, you know, there's an idea that thinking like, oh, if it's like, if I'm having sex with a woman, it's not gay. And like, well, yeah, because that gay is about who you're sexually attracted to. It's not about what's going into your butt. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really great way where, you know, pegging is kind of an act of you know, rebuking the patriarchy because you're doing something that the patriarchy says is not masculine or it's not mm-hmm. manly or or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. So you're already doing something that goes against it. And then, you know, you don't change as a person and you're mm-hmm. still good at your job and, mm-hmm. you know, you still have a family, whatever yeah. it may be. So I think it can be a very like healing experience for people who maybe mm-hmm. this was you know, maybe something shameful that they're able to take pleasure in or Mm -hmm. realize that, you know, their body is capable of more than they gave it credit for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I do think it, to your point of kind of changing the definition around it and helping educate people on that is super crucial. And I also am kind of questioning myself here where most of the population is not educated on it. And so when when someone sees peg the patriarchy, I think they're also thinking like destroy it. Like, yeah, we're going to fuck up the patriarchy. We're going to fuck the patriarchy so hard, you know, Um, to where, what message does that then give to what pegging is? Um, What In some ways, does it not then perhaps also perpetuate the elements of masculinity associated with patriarchy. I don't know. Exactly, it's so new. Yeah. Like there's so many layers where I'm like just looking into it a lot deeper than I yeah. previously was and recently. I mean, with like with three words, there's not really a whole lot of room for nuance. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't think it was intended to be that type of a phrase. No. It's just something that's very catchy. And it doesn't mean like, oh, we should be giving the patriarchy pleasure. But I, mm-hmm. I do think it's interesting that people are just assuming that, oh, yeah. this is like weak, an act of like, Mm-hmm. What, whatever it may be, weakness, subversion. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, the only, like for people who have bullied me in the past, there's a certain trope that they represent. And because mm-hmm. of my past, those are people I don't want to engage with unless I'm completely subverting that mm-hmm. narrative. So like, I'm only really going to 
do sexual things with bros if I'm pegging them or there's some sort of BDSM element. I had mm. a, um, a lifestyle submissive named Slave Bro. <laughs> and that was like a lot of the reason why that mm. worked as well. So I, I think it's not yeah. necessarily of like, you know, giving pleasure, but it's something that could be a start to more realization. Hmm. <sighs> See, I don't know, because part of me wants to say maybe it could be about pleasure that when I, for example, like when I work with clients on shame and there's something internally, you know, that they are having that shame voice come up to. And often we want to like just shove that shame down. We want to be like, oh, that's really mean. You know, we want to bully the bully. And with patriarchy being our bully, like... I always think it's important to recognize where that bully came from. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that bully is also hurting. And is there a way that we can understand that, that we can speak to it in a way that is healing? And when we come to terms with that, then we can kind of, you know, heal ourselves in turn. And so part of me is like, as you say, it's not about pleasure. Part of me is thinking, well, could it be that maybe the patriarchy does need some 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 tenderness, some, some pleasure. I mean, I think, cause it's like, they just, they don't want the pleasure that like that they've said is the patriarchy. So yes. like a lot of it is mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, mm-hmm. we have these preferences, where do they come from and beginning to question that. Yeah. And, you know, I think it, I think it could be pleasure, but ultimately, you know, it's not pegging that's going to solve the patriarchy. Yeah. It's going to be somewhat of a mirror or reflection or the ability to look Mm -hmm. inwards and question that and also to not feel threatened whenever Mm -hmm. when I used to do some men's groups with some colleagues like after me too um really like gained a lot of movement it was figuring out of like okay people are really on the defensive and they're trying to blame other people because they don't they never want to see them as the bad person when in Mm -hmm. reality we're all capable of good and evil and we're all gonna be some shade of that and the inability to accept that I have done some bad things, I do bad things, and I might continue to do some bad things. Mm-hmm. And just thinking that, no, I'm a good person if I ignore all this and I highlight someone who's way worse than me. Yeah. And like, that's not doing anyone a favor. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I could keep going on and on about this with you, <laughs> yeah. um, but I do want to make sure we talk about some of the other things here. And since we're talking about penises, um, you shared on social media about penis envy. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen anybody else share this before that like one of your fetishes is to hold a penis while they pee. And I fucking love doing that. (laughs) And literally with like every partner, I offer it and I try to do it. And it's like always this like weird thing where they're like, what are you talking? You want to hold? And I was like, yeah, I want to hold it. Like, let me, (laughs) let me help you. But I never felt seen. I've never seen anybody publicly speak about that. So I love that you shared it. And can you talk about it more? Oh, yeah. I mean, so I think one of the reasons I shared it is because of like my fetishes. I also have a mustache fetish. But Mm -hmm. these weren't ones I was like smacked on the face with where I just like realized it or I was exposed to it. It it was a process of me being curious and Mm -hmm. like also having the confidence to like say that or ask that and like not having any shame associated or like a lot of times people turn me down when I Mm -hmm. want to hold their penises when they pee and that is fine they don't 
Like that is totally okay. It doesn't change the fact that I like it. It just means that I'll have like less opportunity with this individual. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was something where, and I've only been able to do it like a handful of times because most people aren't okay with that, which Mm -hmm. is fine. And it's like, maybe you will be eventually, but I'm not going to push it. But I do, I have a lot of penis envy and I don't really know like where I am in terms of like my gender identity because like, I don't feel non-binary. I don't feel Mm -hmm. trans. I don't really, I'm not like attracted to genitals, but I definitely like when I'm strapped on or when I'm like playing with a person's penis, it's like, I don't have that part of my body Mm -hmm. and it's really cool to see. I don't want to see it in its hard state. I want to see it in all the flaccid states because that's what it's like most of the time. And after I had had sex with a friend, we were taking a shower and I think he was going to pee in the shower. And I was like, mm-hmm. can I hold it? And yeah. we did that. And it was kind of like a light bulb went off. I'm like, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I've been able to do it a couple times since then. And I, it's like, it makes sense when I break it down because it's a mix of vulnerability. They're mm-hmm. in a vulnerable state. Yes. It's a mix mm-hmm. of power and control that like I'm having this yeah. control over a very intimate process that they usually do alone. Mm-hmm. And then you combine that with my penis envy, like, and that's why a lot of people are into like piss play in general. And it's not that I'm into, mm-hmm. you know, into goldens or anything, but mm-hmm. it's something that's like a very intimate and private act yeah. that someone can be letting you into. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally relate there. I think that's totally yeah. my vibe as well. And I, I think it, it started off a little bit more as like a, to me, it, like you said, that curiosity and just that like playfulness. And I'm just like, this isn't a part of my body. This is a super intimate experience. And like, will you let me into it? Yeah. Um, and I then also, also recommend power. sitting like reverse cowgirl on someone or reverse cow person so that their genitals are kind of aligned with yours. And then you can mm. like literally just pretend that it's your penis. See, I don't know that I go, I, I don't know how that would feel for me, but I do <laughs> like peeing at the same time. Okay. So I will do like, let's both sit on the toilet. Someone recommended that we're like, or something where you're like both peeing together or they're, or they're peeing while they're sitting on you. Yeah. Well, like I'll sit on the toilet and I'll pee and then like they pee like through my legs and we oh, pee at the same time. Yeah. And this is where sometimes I'm like, maybe I'm just like eight years old and I'm just like, yeah, let's pee together. <laughs> but it does feel like an intimate, like fun thing to do. And then sometimes it'll be like, I'll sit on them um, kind of like cowgirl style and sit on their lap and then just hold their penis while they pee. But it, it for me, it's usually always something as like a form of aftercare after sex um, mm-hmm. that then when we both go pee afterwards, it still is kind of this like intimate thing where it's like, yeah. I want to hold him. <laughs> yeah, I just have like this genuine curiosity where like I'll still ask my like boyfriend be like, what's it what is it like having a phenos? Just tell mm-hmm. me about it. And he'd be like, oh well, like I don't know, what's it like having a vulva? And I'm like, and it's just like a general mystery. And like sometimes yeah. you don't know what's coming out of it and mm-hmm. if you're sick or if you're just horny. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, Oh wow, no, having a penis is not like that yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's an open wound in my body that's super, super sensitive, you know. <laughs> It's Any just small a day-to-day thing. mystery. That's mm-hmm. all. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, another thing that you are very well known for, which I'm so curious to get into a little bit more, um, is holding the world record for volume in squirting. Not distance, volume. <laughs> in volume. And when I found you and when I found that, I was like, 
I got to start measuring my squirt. <laughs> how, how the fuck do you measure your squirt? The first time I ever measured it was for the world record. I just knew that I would squirt like insane, insane amounts and people would comment yeah. on it. And, you yeah. know, I would, and then I saw the physical evidence. Um, but when I, so basically I worked with um, a different scientist and she would say, that the max amount that someone could squirt was 950 milliliters. And I'd always Mm -hmm. joked like, oh, I'm pretty sure I could crush that though. And when I, you know, went to just kind of for fun of like, look up the world record, it's like, oh, it doesn't exist. So I can Mm -hmm. set one. And by the time I'm like, I'm setting the record, then it's like, well, I can squirt any amount and it's going to be the record. But like, you know, the vanity in me wanted to hit a liter. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, to hit that mark to, you know, also make a statement that, we don't know as much about squirting as yeah. we think we do. A lot of the things that science tells us isn't true. And mm-hmm. then also I do this without orgasming or penetrating myself. And I really wanted to change the narrative of, I feel like squirting still revolves around like a partnered activity or the male ego when mm-hmm. the reality is I can do it by myself. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, yeah, it's not related to another person at all. It's just my body mm-hmm. and the way it expresses itself. Yeah. I've only been able to squirt one time by myself and man, oh man, was I so proud. I was so <laughs> proud. I took a picture of like the the carpet all wet and I was like, I did that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the thing is like, whether you do it by yourself or with someone else, like if your body does it, that's still your body. You, mm-hmm. you know that your body is capable, capable. of it. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for you, you did this without penetration. Yeah, that's generally like my, so I like taught a class once and someone asked at the end, they're like, what's the fastest way for someone to get you to squirt? And I was like, have them ask me to do it myself. Hmm. That's the fastest way. Um, Because, you know, it's a lot of my like mind body connection. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the thing that I like the most is rubbing my clit externally. Mm -hmm. Um, So as long as I'm like, you know, aroused and engorged with like most of the time, there's like a baseline of that. Mm -hmm. Then that's the easiest way to do it because nothing's blocking my vaginal canal, which can sometimes get in the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There was one time that I did squirt just from, well, granted it was after, it was still partnered and was after, um, you know, after penetrative and after oral and everything. Uh, but yeah, where they just really DJed up at the clit and, uh, it was a, it, it was a lot. I was very, I, I kept trying to close my legs and he was like, stay open, keep your legs open. I very much trusted this partner and we were, felt like in a lot of care. And so I kept my legs open and then also was reminding to keep my body and my mind open. And it was just like overwhelming amounts of pleasure. And then it just, I, I had squirted previously to that in my life, but that definitely felt the most like I was peeing. Like yeah. it, it was a lot and now the comp- yeah. like the competitor in me wants to be like, I'm going to measure my volume now. <laughs> yeah, go for it, man. Why not? I mean, a lot of people will like threaten me with it too. But also the stipulations of my record are that it's without the assistance yeah. of anyone else or a toy. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I mean, I'm all for, for healthy competition. I mean, ideally I could have held an event where there were multiple people competing with me, but I yeah. couldn't find, I, now people are coming out of the woodwork and then there's some other like, 
fantasies and things that I'm like, okay, I need to start collecting you so we can make all these things Mm -hmm. happen. Mm -hmm. Um, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I think it's good that your person was saying like, you know, keep this open, keep that open. Cause a lot of times people are like, oh, just relax. And it's like, oh, go fuck yourself. Like don't Mm -hmm. tell someone to do that. And that's not necessarily what it's about. It's more of just like trusting your body. And if a sensation Mm -hmm. feels overwhelming, like put your mind's eye somewhere else and then focus it back. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you're not paying attention to how your pinky toes feeling, but when I talk about it, maybe you're thinking about it now. Mm-hmm. So like where our mind is, that can, that can often play a part if something is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because definitely before squirting is I'm very, very overwhelmed. I feel like I'm having an exorcism. Yeah. It can be like at, at times it can be really quite intense. And mm-hmm. I was actually just thinking about this earlier today. Cause like whenever people start squirting and they like really love it or they want to talk about it, I'm like, talk to me in a year. Cause you're going to hate it a bit. Like, let me wait until that sets in yes. because like, I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I also hate it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think especially the thing that like, I was just thinking about today that just is so ridiculous is all of these other people that are like, Oh my God, squirting so hot. I love this. They're like projecting their fantasy onto me when I'm yeah. literally just like, this is how my body behaves. And that's mm-hmm. what it does. If you like it, that's great. But also I'm going to hate it. And I want you to hate it with me sometimes mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, or even like, I mean, right now, my boyfriend is such a dream with it because he knows that I hate it and he supports that. And mm-hmm. like, he is the one to get out like, you know, the different pads and things like yes. as soon as he feels like the time is right. And the fact that I don't have to worry about that mm-hmm. as much, like that's yeah. what being a supportive squirting partner is. It's not like yes. making it about you. It's just making it so this other person mm-hmm. feels a little bit better. And yeah. it, it just, it, it's so ridiculous to me that it's the majority of it is about a lot of people thinking it's really hot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just like, can I just exist in the world? Can I like, yeah. can I just engage in experience without you like mm-hmm. focusing at all on your desire and projecting that onto me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of that too is not just that it's hot, but that it's, if I get you to do this, it says something about me and I can feel good about myself that I know you can do this and now I can get you to do it. And a bit yeah. of that like ego kind of feeding that that's where I typically feel like, ah. Okay. Um, I say my squirting class is just like disappointing men, really. Because <laughs> one of my like one of my former lovers would be like, he's like, honestly, I feel like a light breeze could get you to squirt. And I'm like, eh, sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's I mean, I think to the point of hating squirting, I think that is something that in the past when I've talked about it, like on Instagram and stuff, that people have very much expressed a sense of like embarrassment and not liking it and how do you prepare for it? And I think to your point of having a supportive partner, I mean, I wouldn't even, my previous partner, I'd be like, no, you can't even start to finger me unless we have a towel down. So it was like (laughs) that or like I need to get up and we need to be like standing up over the floor or something or you better be prepared for cleanup. And he would always help with cleanup afterwards. And that's kind of where it would feel a little bit more like that, you know, aftercare that's still intimate. Um, But it's, it's weird because on one hand, there is this, you know, really, really heightened sexualization, fantasizing about people that are squirting. And in the same token, it's this like, eh, like you peeing everywhere, like, ugh. 
so it's seriously it's like it's equally like fetishized and shame and it's Mm -hmm. like it's it's really hard to find people who exist in the middle Mm-hmm. where they're just mm-hmm. kind of like ambivalent about it or they yeah. like honestly just like let your person decide I was really lucky that the first time that I was at least aware that I squirted the person I was with basically was like oh you squirted is that something that you do so mm-hmm. he waited for me to basically yeah. like say my relationship with it before he was like oh my god that's so hot it's all about <laughs> me like he and like I'm lucky that that happened because he mm-hmm. could have easily shamed me he could have yeah. easily fetishized it but he asked a question instead. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I guess I do. And he's like, okay, she doesn't seem like she hates it. So then mm-hmm. we continued. Yeah, that is sweet. I think uh, it's so weird. My like experience with squirting first with my first partner. Um, and I, I was like scared. I was like, what's happening? Like, I'm scared. I don't know what's happening. I was like 16. Um, and after that with someone I wasn't like really in relationship with and feeling super embarrassed. And then in my uh, most recent relationship, like never having that amount of liquid come out of me before and in, in part feeling concerned and of also like, are they okay? Are like, are you okay? Because that you just, you put in a lot of work and a lot of things just came your way. <laughs> yeah. We're just like making sure people don't drown. That is my genuine concern. But part of me kind of wants you to drown. Mm-hmm. It's like, I actually, it's always, I mean, it's crazy. Like I'm still surprised of like what my body can produce. And that's why I think it's kind of hot. If I like, mm-hmm. you know, if my legs happen to be over my head or something and I get yeah. like splashed in the face with my, my own squirt, I'm like, wow, yeah. that's so hot. That's yeah. like, Cause like my body's just, it's just crazy. And it's really cool to just yeah. be amazed at it sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like pure, like it feels like very animalistic chaos of like a sexual experience of our bodies, like reacting and engaging in this experience. Part of me really like wants to like drown someone in my cum. And like, it's very like, uh, it feels romantic to drench someone in my squirt. I mean, it's definitely very primal of like marking your territory, but yes. you did, you did say come and I want to be clear that it's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's not come or it's not an orgasm. It yeah. can be, I like to call it mm-hmm. more like a manifest, a physical manifestation of pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Whether yeah. it's come or it's squirting or I'm orgasming, like putting that on my partner, experiencing that with my partner, sharing that with them, it feels very, very romantic to me. Mm-hmm. And like when I had first started squirting and I didn't, I didn't have like a tethered partner or anything. I was just kind of, you know, being a hoe, um, you know, in, in, a, in a great way. Hold but up. I really, <laughs> I really use that of like, oh, this is a thing that people really like. And it can be a way I satisfy them mm-hmm. by doing this. And I really like held on to that so much. And that like, that wasn't really good mm-hmm. either because I'm still doing it for other people's pleasure, but mm-hmm. it found like a really easy way that I could be validated. Like I did a thing, you yeah. enjoyed it. You're happy. Cause I did a thing. And that's what I mean when I'm like, talk to me after a year of squirting mm-hmm. or squirting regularly, because I thought I really liked it a lot at that point. And then mm-hmm. I started realizing like, wait, I'm not orgasming. I'm just squirting. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's fun, yeah. but maybe let's like, you know, change our role a little bit here. And then mm-hmm. also just like the cleanup is just very, it's very annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to like the process of getting to the point of squirting 
solo. Because I, th- I feel like majority, like you even said, if somebody were to like compete with you in this record, the, not a lot of people, I feel like, squirt solo. Yeah. Well, I think, so I think that there's two camps of people. I think there's people who like squirt after a particular type of simulation. And then I think there's other people whose bodies, like how they express themselves is squirting. And Mm -hmm. don't take my word for this, but I think for that, you know, that second one, there might be something genetic at play because I know a lot Mm -hmm. of people who, you know, their body expresses themselves squirting and like, through some, you know, very confident conversations with their family have found out that like sister, mom, grandma, and like, that's kind of bananas. Like my, mm-hmm. my mom's squirt. she'd hate that I'm saying this, but I was like, it's science, mom. We need to know this. Yeah. Yeah. I asked my grandma and I don't think she knew what it meant. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to ask my grandma now after this. <laughs> <laughs> she thought it meant like orgasming and she's like, yeah, I do it all the time. And I'm like, I don't think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is a very different experience. Um, and you also engage in uh, being a unicorn. And date, I don't know if you want to use the word dating, um, but like being yeah. intimate, dating, yes, with couples. Yeah. And I mean, uh, for me, that's more, that's more my style of how I like to hook up with people, how I like mm-hmm. to be the third or how I like to have group sex um, in general, unless it's like at a sex party, but I don't like one-off things. I like mm-hmm. things that are still, even if it's like casual and we're really just having sex, I still want to yeah. people that I can hang out with because that, and that's more of the sex that I like to have. So mm-hmm. for other people, but, but that's why I call it dating. It's not serious. I'm not in a cl- like closed relationship yeah. with these people, but it's still some sort of relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am a big fan of that myself as well. And I think it's like who, first of all, if I'm having sex, I want it to be good. Second of all, I don't want to just have good sex once. I I want that to be, I want consistency. <laughs> I want yeah. that to be reliable to be able to continue to have and also to hold relationship with, with that person. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit. I've shared in the past on the podcast some of my um, exploration with couples and, and experimenting with being a unicorn. Um, wondering if you can share kind of how that came about for you. Yeah. And it's interesting if I kind of think about my exploration with people on like a one-to-one basis versus my exploration with like couples, I kind of went about it in the same way. I kind of made mistakes in the same way, Yeah, um, which, you know, sometimes you, that's how you learn, but mm-hmm. a lot of it is like, I'm just going to throw myself into this. I don't know what I'm doing. And then I might notice like, oh, I really feel like shit a lot after mm-hmm. this. Why is that? And what do I need to yeah. adjust either for myself or the people that I'm choosing or the types of relationships that I'm pursuing? Mm-hmm. And so so in this case, I kind of, I threw myself into um, dating couples via the apt field, yeah. F-E-E-L-D, um, which is how I, that's where I met my boyfriend. That's where I met one of my lovers. That's where I've met like so many people. And I just, mm-hmm. I really like dating apps for me because I don't like feeling hunted in general. And because I'm a very strong personality, like mm-hmm. people don't, I don't want people to feel hunted by me either. And this yeah. is a very like good middle ground. And I think I like, again, I just kind of started hooking up with couples, but also I, I didn't know enough. And I really subscribed to what I didn't know at the time was couple privilege. And I Mm -hmm. honestly felt that because this was a couple and I was a single person, mind you, I'd never been in a relationship before, Mm -hmm. but I believed that their, their partnership was more important than my needs and desires and boundaries. And that like, you know, they had to be protected at all costs, Mm -hmm. which 
it's just not true. And I think that's where a lot of the issue came up with is I felt like, you know, because it's like two against one, there's nothing that I could say or do. And I just had to accept whatever they decided at all times, whether that's Mm -hmm. before the sex, during the sex, after the sex, you know, whatever that may be. And I think eventually what I was able to discover through trial and error was I had like best and most fulfilling times when there were people and like this is how the conversation went verbatim we would go out and meet for a drink because I'm I'm not meeting up with anyone to have sex we have to meet mm-hmm. first yeah um, but we would do that to make sure I you know I jive with both people and they did with me mm-hmm. and afterwards I'd be like you guys are so cool and you're so hot and like I would love to have sex with you but also like I also just want to hang out with you too so like mm-hmm. even if that doesn't happen yeah. I still think you're really awesome and you know sometimes it would manifest in the sex. Sometimes it wouldn't, but those are still the relationships that I, you know, keep in contact with to this day. Cause I just think they're like really awesome people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just adding sex to that mix becomes a really fun time. And I mean, some of the people, maybe I only hook up with one person in the couple. Like I remember mm-hmm. one time I went out with a couple in Amsterdam and like, oh my God, they were both so gorgeous and so cool and so brilliant. And I think there just ended up being more of a spark between me and like the boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, separated. And I think his partner was just kind of like, there seems to be a bit more between you. Why don't you go and explore that? And which was just like, so cool that I'm like, oh, they have this communication. I don't have to have this worry of someone feeling like jealous or threatened by me because that shouldn't be my responsibility as the unicorn. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a lot of like, that's the misconception I had going into it was I took on way too much responsibility as a unicorn. Mm-hmm. way too much. And yeah, yeah I, and, and also for people who are thinking about like how to protect the relationship, if there is so much that you're scared of, maybe you shouldn't be bringing in a third person. Like mm-hmm. there are plenty of ways to spice up your relationship that don't yes. involve hurting someone yes. or potentially hurting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you been hurt? Have you been hurt by couples? <laughs> <laughs> I would not say I've been hurt by couples. Um, for the most part, my couple experiences have been what feel very, um, they they feel in alignment. Um, I think at times I've had to question, you know, I don't always necessarily want to continue hanging out with them. Sometimes I feel like I just exclusively enjoy like having sex with you guys. I don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily want to, you know, go be out at a bar, necessarily get dinner. Like I want to come over. I want to like play like a little board game or whatever, and then kind of like get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I do think like my very first experience as a couple Engaging like with a unicorn. Where, where you're the couple engaging with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I that's think a lot that, different. <laughs> yeah. That's where I've gotten hurt. I haven't gotten hurt as a unicorn, but being within the couple and also with the caveat here that I was very young. This was mm-hmm. my first relationship um, in high school and we did not know what we were doing. We were just doing things and betrayal happened and there was miscommunications and just not being intentional about what we were doing because we didn't even know. Um, But I think if I were to do that 
as an adult now, there's almost been opportunities in the past, um, but it just didn't feel like it was really in alignment. Like it didn't actually feel right where we were both really excited about it. Um, But I feel like I would have a better experience being within a couple engaging with a unicorn than I did Mm -hmm. then. Yeah. Because I know a lot more now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and also it's like, because you've had some experiences, it's also not like, if this doesn't happen now, it will never happen. Like if it's yeah. not right, there will be more opportunities. There are, there are always more opportunities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any kind of advice that you would want to give to people who perhaps are interested in being a unicorn? Um, for people that are interested in being a unicorn, like, I mean, one is like understand what couple privilege is and that it's, you know, don't let that fly. Mm -hmm. Um, your, your boundaries, needs, desires, all those things are just as important. Um, and then also just paying attention of, you know, with what people are saying to you. And Mm -hmm. honestly, like, it's all really similar to single person hookups and dating. Like you're going to have a values list and they're going to have a values list. And sometimes Mm -hmm. those match up and sometimes they don't. Maybe you want to like, you're like kissing is my favorite favorite part of sex. And I want to be Mm -hmm. able to kiss everyone. And there's a couple who's like, you can't kiss this person. Mm -hmm. Um, but just being wary of some people, they end up putting up certain boundaries due to fear of like, I don't want to deal with an uncomfortable feeling. So this shouldn't happen. But I like, you know, granted trauma isn't a just uncomfortable feeling. That's trauma, but we shouldn't be like shielding ourselves from uncomfortable feelings. And I know you had, um, Gabrielle Smith on previously Mm -hmm. and like, she, she is so amazing and smart. And I think what she, the way she talks about jealousy and how like, Mm -hmm. you know, jealousy is not a real emotion. It's a signal of something else you need to address. Like Mm -hmm. that's a really important thing to think about. And jealousy is not the responsibility of a unicorn. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I think like as you're saying that I'm reminded to like really important to I think communicate desires and like expectations because for me the experiences that I've enjoyed engaging in as a unicorn are much more where I'm being brought into the relationship for them to kind of worship, for them to, um, not necessarily that I'm assisting them in their sex, but that they are getting to kind of experience each other having sex with me. But see, you just, you already described so much more there than a lot of people would. Cause a lot of time when you're like, you know, how do you want to feel? What are your desires? And I'm like, I want it to be hot. I want to be turned on. <laughs> but you're, what you're describing is feelings. You're like, I want yeah. it to feel this way. Um, mm-hmm. and that can tell you so much more about what kind of experience someone wants. And if that matches up with you, mm-hmm. I've shared a similar thing to couples where I'm like, I don't want to worry about anyone being jealous or about like worrying about your relationship. And then Mm -hmm. I've had a couple being like, oh my God, that's so horrible. How about we both focus on you at first? And then we can like figure out where things go. And like, Mm -hmm. even just that gesture, like make sure as a unicorn that like they are showing care and it's not all about them and what you, like what you're saying. It's not about what you can do for them. It's Mm -hmm. about what all of you can do for each other. And also just like if that matches up or not with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The thing that the one couple that I did really enjoy uh, being intimate with, they were so, so conscious and intentional about what brought me pleasure, both of them, um, heterosexual couple. And they really wanted to kind of watch each other please me. And that was so fun. That was so exciting. (laughs) I love that. I love that. They did a better job. You have to do better now. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, yes. Well, and it's just like you get to – you still have responsibility showing up as a unicorn, but it's it's a much different kind of responsibility and it feels um, just like such a – Responsibility is like a human, as a lover. Yeah, yeah. It's um, – I just love all the different ways in which we can like get creative and – get in touch with that playful side of ourselves in sex and, you know, just stepping outside of what, as we grow up, is just like, you know, you have uh, missionary sex with a man who will impregnate you. And that's sex. That's it. Man, but that, no wonder we didn't cover pegging. Like, no wonder. <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, I have to get on a group call with a bunch of sex therapists after this. Um, Yeah, I'm just going to continue talking about sex. Uh, But I've so appreciated you sharing your own personal experiences and some of your knowledge. Um, I would love for you to share a bit of where people can find you, how people can engage with you, how they can support you, all of those things. You can follow me at lolajean.com with the D-O-T spelled out both on Twitter and Instagram. That's also my website with the D-O-T not spelled out. And there you can purchase, you know, future classes, class recordings, as well as the quick and dirty series which covers choking, wrestling, pegging, and squirting. Um, And that's where you can also find seven days of domination as well. Mm-hmm. Choking was something I wanted to talk to you about today. <laughs> well, you know, you, I can hook you up with my co-instructor, LT. They're oh, a phenomenal yes. resource. And like, honestly, I learned most of what I know wrestling-wise from them. Okay, amazing. Let's get them on. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I would absolutely love that. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for coming. Coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cheesy. Thank you. <laughs> All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right, and, and sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. When you download the Kroger app, you have easy access to savings every day. Shop weekly sales and get personalized coupons to get the most value out of every trip, every time, whether you shop in-store or online. Download the Kroger app now to save big. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Must have a digital account to redeem offers. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 